The French philosopher John, uh, Sartre said that family is like chicken pox. You catch it while you're little, and it stays with you for the rest of your life. In many ways, that's true. We can't escape our family. Oh, you have to go to the next section, Zarvin, I think. Oh. Um, <clears throat> how our family goes always affects us. Um, Malachi talks about that almost as a warning. If you turn over to Malachi 4, he says with verse 5, <clears throat> See, I send you the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord comes upon you. Now, Elijah is coming to turn the hearts of their fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, or else I will come and strike the land with a curse. It struck me as I was looking at various passages this week about the family, how true this passage is and how true it is even today. That if the parents' hearts are not turned toward the children, and the children's hearts are not turned towards the parents, a curse does indeed come upon the land. If the family breaks down, it doesn't work. It doesn't work for anyone in the family. And we need to talk about that today exactly because of how important the family is for us. Sartre was right. That family we each grew up in, none of us got to pick our families, none of us got to pick our children, but the families we grow up in go with us for the rest of our lives, no matter how old we get to be. They still affect us. We have an incredible impact in our families. That's why it's scary when you think about how tough it is to be a parent today. It's not easy. I want us to watch a commercial I captured uh, from Singular that I think it just shows us why it's hard to be a parent today. Okay, if it works. Missed the clip. Oh. you. Your cell phone bill is what's up. All this texting. OMG, INBD. It is a big deal. Who are you texting 50 times a day? I decay my BFF Jill. Tell your BFF Jill that I'm taking away your phone. T-I-S-N-F. Me paying this bill, that's what's to S. Dan F. I love that commercial because to me it, it just captures the sense of the struggles of being a family today, of being a parent today, and being a child today. Um, what was going on there, for some of you in the room who may not even understand what was going on, um, your cell phone can do a thing called text messaging. Now don't some of you laugh, others of us don't get it. So just chill. 
And there is, you have to be younger than I would say at least 30 to have this genetic abnormality that allows your thumb to work on this keyboard. No, it's not a keyboard. Keypad of a cell phone and type messages. I watch my, my kids do it. And that thumb just goes all over, and they type these messages. Now, it is a little bit of a hassle, so they've developed all of this shorthand where they only type in a few letters, and it communicates the whole message. Um, The only one I can think of is LOL, which means laugh out loud. What's some others? NBD, no big deal. So they have all of that. Well, they get all that, and they're speaking in text message. The girl is speaking in text message. And for a lot of us as adults, we're like, what? And yet, it also pictures, it captures the frustration on the other end. As, as the, the girl is obviously, oh, this mom, she just doesn't get it. Okay, now I want you to watch it again. Your cell phone bill is what's up. All this texting. OMG, INBD. It is a big deal. Who are you texting 50 times a day? I decay my BFF Jill. Tell your BFF Jill that I'm taking away your phone. T-I-S-N-F. Me paying this bill, that's what's S. Dan F. I love that look. When as a parent you have just been treated as a total moron who does not get it and is living in a previous century and needs to come into the modern age and you don't want to be viewed that way. Our world is crazy. And that's part of what makes it hard to parent. Way beyond issues of text messaging and modern technology. For with that has come the internet and all of the potential on the internet of evil in a variety of forms. The challenge of change that is affecting every area of our lives. A change in our culture where evil seems to have exploded and the culture no longer seems to be helping us say what is right and what is wrong. If anything, the culture is almost saying nothing is wrong. Everything is okay. And all of that makes it more and more difficult to be a parent and to raise a family. And not only has the world gone crazy, honestly, our own lives have gone crazy. The amount of work that we need to do or choose to do, the issues of things And all of the materialism of our culture and how our lives revolve around things. All of the activities and the overcommitments of our time. We live at a speed that is just amazing. People from previous generations would look at us just whiz by and would honestly say, you're crazy. And that's how we live 24-7. The very concept that 24-7 has become jargon that we all get is a mark of our lives. And in the midst of that, we're supposed to build a healthy family. 
That's tough. And my purpose today is not to beat up on parents or to make us feel guilty. But the truth is, parenthood is so important. And we need to understand that. And whatever your age is, whether your kids are living at home with you or they are gone, you're still a parent. We never stop parenting till the day we breathe our last. Before we talk about the challenges of parenting, we need to get out in the open that parenting is an incredible privilege. Do you realize that it is in parenting, in that raising of a family, that is one of the most godlike activities the creator of the universe has allowed us to do? To create life and shape a life and mold that life and bring that life to adulthood and watch that life launch out. That is a godlike activity. And certainly there are numerous, countless challenging moments in that. But at the same time, it is an incredible blessing. I hated kids growing up. I was an only child. My home was always tranquil. Always. And any time any nieces and nephews came in or cousins... That tranquility was destroyed, and it stressed me out greatly. And one of my chief hobbies growing up as a kid was building models, and those little cousins broke them. And adding all those things together, I went and locked myself in my bedroom when the cousins came. I, I, I hate them. They, we joke about that. I was at a funeral a couple months ago in Texas, and we were all joking about these cousins who are now adults. Oh, yeah, I remember how you hated us. <laughs> the scary thing for me was when Peggy and I got married and we started talking about having children. And I, I'm, this is no exaggeration. I was very afraid. I thought, gosh, I think I hate kids. <laughs> and... And what if they're my own? And, and they're going to be in my house and they're my own. And then this little baby comes named Elizabeth who's sitting here today. And it all changes. They weren't anybody else's kids. They were my child. And every one of you who's a parent knows exactly what I'm talking about. And that blessing of seeing that life and seeing that life grow and all the potential of those children and their personality and their gifts and their quirks and all of that, they just grow. And you get to watch that. And you see that miracle Develop into an adult. Parenthood is an incredible privilege. But there's a spiritual principle that I think we need to apply to that. That principle is stated in Luke 12. I put it on the screen. 
To everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. I'd like to reduce that to a simple phrase. With great privilege comes great responsibility. I think that's a a principle of stewardship. Bob was talking about in the offering meditation. Stewardship is a concept in the Bible way beyond money. When God greatly blesses us, responsibility comes with that. One of the greatest privileges that we experience if we're married and have children is the privilege of parenthood and creating a family. But we need to understand that with that great privilege comes a great responsibility to be a parent and to affect children for their entire life. We need to understand in that that our kids need us, that this role of parenting is so important. Our parents are essential. Turn over to Proverbs. Solomon shares there the importance of parents. Starting with verse 20. My son, keep your father's commands and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Bind them upon your heart forever. Fasten them around your neck. When you walk, they will guide you. When you sleep, they will watch over you. When you awake, they will speak to you. For these commands are a lamp. This teaching is a light. And the corrections of discipline are the way to life. You see what Solomon stresses there? The importance of what we do as parents. And by implication, you have to look in there and say, if we as parents don't do our job and don't provide this for our children, then how will they see and how will they find life? The truth is no one can replace mom and dad. And mom and dad, we cannot delegate our role to somebody else. We can't resign. We can't take a vacation We can't take a leave of absence or a sabbatical from being mom and dad. Our role is incredibly important. And if we fail to do our job, the consequences go on and on and on. Our kids understand the importance of family. I was fascinated by a new study I just ran across. It was referenced in a newspaper article. But the survey was done in California of the hopes and fears of young people aged 16 to 22. So 16 to 22-year-olds in California, which we all know they've fallen off the edge of the earth and weirdos live out there, including my daughter who's sitting in the front row. Now, of all the young people surveyed in this survey, three-fifths were minorities, half were immigrants or the children of immigrants. Here was the question they were asked. What is the most pressing issue facing your generation in the world today? 
Let me read that again. What is the most pressing issue facing your generation in the world today? Think of today. It was not global warming. It was not war. 90% 90 responded the breakdown of the family. These young people in in California, with all that um, is available to young people today, still came back to say, we are longing for a harmonious home with mom and dad at the dinner table. The breakdown of the family is what scares them. Seventy-five percent said religion and spirituality are very important to them. They said, in summary, the poll reveals a deep yearning among 16 to 22-year-olds for the traditional structures of marriage, parenthood, and religion. Isn't that fascinating? Our kids need us, and they know it. Now, at the minute you take away the car keys, they may not act like it, but deep down inside, they understand. And part of the cause of this sermon today, I have to be candid with you, is the, how often I see parents going AWOL from their role, absent without leave. Not on the playing field. Whether it is because they're not present. They may be physically there, but they're not with their kids. They're not with their family. Their mind is somewhere else, and it shows. A number of years ago, there was a, a guy and his daughter that I saw in McDonald's on several different occasions in the morning. He was obviously... Before going, he went to work. He was taking his young child to drop off at school. And I watched them on more than one occasion sit across the McDonald's. And he'd gotten the child a meal. And during the entire time they sat there, he read a paper. And his child sat across the table and ate their meal alone. Now that dad might have told somebody, oh yeah, I was with my child this morning. No, he wasn't. We can be physically present and not with our family. And sometimes that's how we go AWOL as parents. We, we point out we're physically there, but we're not really there. And too often today, I see parents who are not even physically there. Whether it's because of job or their own hobbies and friends. And I speak of my own generation, us baby boomers. And I think part of the plague is we were grown up to say it's all about us. And now we're trying to parent still saying it's all about me. And so if I need to go play with my hobby or my friends and the family gets neglected, it's okay. And then, of course, there's the entire other issue where parents fail, and that is all of the stories we see about abuse. And there's certainly the dramatic abuse that we see of the physical or the sexual abuse that makes the news. 
But you don't have to talk to very many people to say, see that there's a lot more abuse out there that doesn't make the news that's just emotional abuse. Where with our words we beat down our children. We tear them down, we don't build them up. We hurt them, we don't love them, and we destroy them. I had never experienced that like I did when I entered Bible college. I did not grow up in a preacher's home. My dad was basically a farmer. So I was pretty naive. I didn't have a best friend who was a PK, preacher's kid. So I was pretty naive and I went to Lincoln Christian College and moved into the guy's dorm. And it just totally blew me away as I heard all of these preacher's kids vent their anger and bitterness and resentment because of how their dads had neglected them to take care of the church. Had neglected them to take care of the youth and the youth group. And those dads who were preachers had been AWOL. It just blew me away. And yet I saw the impact as now I'm talking about 18, 19, and 20-year-olds who are still dealing with their anger and bitterness because dad hadn't been there, even though he was dad. We need to understand the importance of that. A little more from this study. This generation, the generation that was surveyed, these uh, 16 to 22-year-olds, this generation is deeply marred by family breakdown. Many young people are, are victims of our society's epidemic of out-of-wedlock out of childbearing and divorce. Even children from intact families often feel neglected by busy or preoccupied parents. kid talked about the, this youth pastor they quoted had worked in a very affluent church and yet he was blown away he says I found kids cutting themselves having suicidal thoughts some felt they were last on their parents priority list one boy in my youth group told me he was studying witchcraft why I ask he said I want to be able to cast spells so that I can get friends and have a girl go with me to prom. My parents are clueless of what's going on in my life. Another youth pastor interviewed some gang members and drug users. He asked them, why are you living so self-destructively? They said, I had no father. My mom was strung out on drugs. Too often, that's what's happening in the home today. Your kids need you. And I want to talk about that for a second. What do they need from you? They need love. We've talked about that over the previous weeks. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this list, but I wanted to review it. Your kids need to know from you as a parent, they are loved. They are accepted they are valued when they mess up, and they will. 
They are forgiven. They're still okay and they're still loved. They have worth. And you see, if that glass is filled up with your love, they will have all they need as they walk through life. And we've learned that if mom and dad don't fill up that glass, even as adults, they are still trying to fill up that half-empty glass because they never had that message of love from mom and dad. Not only do they need love, they need that sense of security. They know their world is crazy. I think most of us as adults would be blown away by what our kids face today in high school. It would scare most of us to death. They know their world is nuts. And they need that sense of safety. That somehow mom and dad are going to help with tomorrow. And somehow it's going to be okay. They desperately need models. They need to watch somebody live life. They need to watch somebody say, here's what it means to be a man. Here's what it means to be a woman. Here's what it means to be a wife or a husband, a mom or a dad. This isn't a classroom. This is the real deal and we need to watch it happen. And watch what it looks like. This is how you're an employee. This is how you're a leader of people. This is how you respond to people in authority. This is how you exercise authority over others. This is how you live out character and ethics and all of those things. Our kids need to watch that happen. One of the books I was reading in preparation for the sermon this week said, Kids are video cameras on legs. And they are. And it's always on record. You don't get to push the red button and pause. And they're watching to see what we do as models. The last thing I would put in this list is what our kids need from us is encouragement. That we believe in them. That they need to try for their dreams. And when they fail, to get up and try again. And it's okay. And when they mess up, we still believe in them. Here's a true story from the Olympics. Greg Louganis, I don't know if you're familiar with that name, but he was the first U.S. diver to ever win gold medals in two consecutive Olympics. On his second Olympics, he'd already won, won one gold medal. Four years later, he was competing for his second gold medal. He had been in the lead, but he was neck and neck with a Chinese diver, Xiang Ni. Zhang Ni had just completed his final dive and had stuck the dive and gotten perfect scores, and he had taken the lead. And he had enough of a lead that the only way Greg Luganus could take the gold medal is if he did a perfect dive. He was standing on the edge of the 10-meter platform ready for his final dive. He had already suffered a bruised wrist during the Olympics, hit his head and cut it. And he was struggling with stomach flu. 
And there he stood, and they watched him come to the edge of the 10-meter platform, and he paused. And then he took his dive, and he stuck it, got perfect scores, and won, won the second goal. After the competition, one of the reporters in the audience went up to Greg Luganis and said, as you paused there on the lip of the 10-meter platform, what did you think of? What was running through your head with all the pressure? Everything coming down to this one dive. And here's what Greg Luganis said. Well, I was thinking, if I don't win, my mother will still love me. If I don't win, my mother will still love me. Do you understand how important that is for kids to go through life with? That concept that my folks are in my corner. Nobody else may be, but my folks are. That's how important our role is. If I've intimidated you enough now, you may be sitting there saying, whoa, I'm not qualified for this. Can I give my kids back? Well, my first statement is, you're right, you're not. And I'm not. None of us is qualified. We are flawed. We are imperfect. I've come to understand that one of the greatest areas I need to rely on God's grace is to look back at my parenting. Gosh, I didn't do it all right. Gosh, I messed up. You know, that describes every parent. Here's one just sort of bizarre, off-the-wall thought. Do you realize there has only been one perfect parent? And do you understand his kids messed up? One perfect parent, our Heavenly Father, and what did Adam and Eve do? Break the rules and get thrown out of Eden. So you don't have to be perfect, it wouldn't work anyway. No. Well, you don't have to. You're not going to be perfect. But the good news in all this, and this is part of what I want you to capture, the good news in all this is kids have never required perfect parents. That's the good news. Kids are flexible and adaptable. We cope. We work as kids. We don't need perfect parents. So we don't have to feel guilty if we're not perfect parents. What kids do need they need parents who will try. Parents who will understand that my role is important. It is very important. And I need to intentionally commit myself to work at being a mom or a dad. To intentionally take that responsibility on my shoulders and say, I am going to work to give my kids love and encouragement and security and worth. I won't always do it right. I will mess up. There's things I'm going to look back at and regret. But I am going to try. I am going to be guilty of trying. With all my ability and power, I'm going to try. That's all kids need. Parents who will do their best. 
I think a piece of that, and, and for me it is the saving piece, is the understanding that I can go to God as a parent to look for God's help. I can go to Him as a parent. How did He love? To ask Him to help me love more. To ask me, ask Him to help me with patience. Ask Him to teach me. Go to Jesus and watch Jesus and how He did things. God wants to help us parent. We need to let Him. We need to go to Him often. I am convinced Peggy would agree with me. I know she does. We've talked about it. I'm convinced one of the ways God wants to help us parent is the church family. We've raised three wonderful kids, and we would both say in a heartbeat, were it not for the youth group and youth sponsors, who our kids would talk to when they wouldn't talk to us, adults in the church that they thought they were intelligent when mom and dad are dumber and dirt, the church family is invaluable in raising kids. And I want to challenge you if you're parents with teens or preteens, be in church, keep those kids in church, because the church will help you parent. It will also help you parent by talking to other parents. While we were raising our kids, especially through the teen years, we were in a support group. Now, it was called a Bible study, but it was really a support group. A support group of parents raising teenagers. And it was so relieving to go there and during the, the prayer time or the sharing time say, Oh, gosh, will you pray? My kid did so-and-so. And three other parents would say, oh, don't worry, my kid does that all the time. What? Really? And you'd think your kids were the only ones in the world. Your kids were the worst in the world, or you were the worst in the world. And you'd find out that every family was right where yours was. And there was a sick kind of comfort in that. <laughs> but you'd also learn from those other parents... And some of those parents say, we faced that two years ago. Here's the best way to handle it. Or they'd say, we tried this. It doesn't work. Don't do that. All of that help in parenting came from the church family. I believe that's one of the biggest things God wants to give you. And, and while we're on this, oh gosh, we'll, go, we'll quit. But while we're on this, this church is blessed by a lot of older people. But I want to say right now, there's not enough of younger people, you're struggling with parenting, you go up to one of these older people and say, can we have a cup of coffee? I need to get some advice. I need to, what would you do? How did you do this? We've got encyclopedias of parenting walking around. Were they perfect parents? No! But that's okay, you're not either. They still have a lot of wisdom. Go to them. Keep trying. I want to close with a challenge. And that is, will you stand in the gap and be mom and dad? Be the parent. It's not easy. You won't do it perfect. But be the mom and dad. I want to close with this story. It actually happens to be also from the Olympics. In 1992, the Summer Olympics were in Barcelona, Spain. Derek Redman 
was running the 400-meter dash for the U.S. You may remember this because in the middle of the 400-meter race, he pulled up lame with a hamstring and fell on the track, writhing in agony on worldwide TV. Derek got up. A, a number of people ran out. They tried to remove him from the track. He obviously was injured. He refused to be removed from the track. He got up and began to hobble towards the finish line. He had only gotten 50 meters when this big burly man came through the crowd. He had a, a ball cap on that said, just do it. But he had a t-shirt on that said, have you hugged your son today? And Derek's dad pushed his way through the crowd and he said, you don't have to do this, son. And he said, dad, I just want to finish the race. So Derek's dad got him up and on three legs, they finished the race together. And the father's comment when he crossed the finish line was this. We began this together. We'll end it together. I thought, what a capture of parenting. We'll begin this together. We're going to end it together. Let's stand and close with prayer. Father, thank you for the privilege of parenthood. But as soon as we say that, we ask for your grace and forgiveness for when we failed. We're sorry. But we ask you to make up for our failures. We ask you to bless our children. But we also ask you to help us. At whatever age we're at, help us be the best parents we can be. And to be a blessing to our children, whatever age they're at. Father, help us. Thank you for being the perfect parent to us. Help us to be the best parent we can be. In your son's name, amen. Go with his grace. Thank you. Thank you.